Okay, people, it is day five, but, but five of the 65th BFI London Film Festival, and we've got a couple of films for you today. Ah, yeah, some interesting shit, people. So, let's get into it, alright? Okay, people, so let's get into it, and we're going to start off with the new Wes Anderson, The French Connection, no, The French Dispatch, <laughs> The French Dispatch, people, let's... Yo, what's happening, people? Hey, listen, I will tell you, right, during any of these festivals, there is a moment where you just crash. You feel like shit. <laughs> and today is that mo... God damn. <sighs> Boy. Yeah. Just feel drained as a motherfucker. But, uh, you know what? Show has to go on. And, um, yeah, just back from the French Dispatch, which, uh, you know, new film from Wes Anderson. And Wes Anderson has got that unique kind of style, right? Everything is always going to be quirky and weird. And you're just kind of, how quirky is it going to be? So, yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to this film for a while. So, yeah, this was the opportunity to take a look. Probably not the best day to be honest with you. Um, so Anderson, he wrote and directed it from a story he conceived with Roman Coppola, Hugo Guinness, and Jason Schwartzman. Anderson also produces, along with Jeremy Dawson and Steve Rawls. Um, we've got cinematography from Robert Yaman. It's edited by Andrew... Wesblum. Uh, music is Alexandra Disblatt. Um, and our cast. Our cast is pretty, pretty big. Pretty big people. We have Bill, Mar Bill Murray as Arthur Holowitzer Jr. He's the editor of the French Dispatch. Um, we've got Owen Wilson as Herbicent Sarak. He's a travel writer. Um, Elizabeth Moff. Moff. Elizabeth Moss. She's a Luma. A copy editor. Jason Schwartzman is Hermes Jones, a cartoonist. Fisher Stevens, um, she's a staff member. We have Griffin Dune, um, another staff member. And Wally Wolondowski, another staff member. We've got Angelica Bette Fellini, she's a proofreader. Angelica Houston, she's the narrator. Jarvis Cocker, um, the voice of Tip Top, a French singer. Uh, we've got Tilda Swinton as J.K.L. Brenston, um, she's a writer. Benicio del Toro is Moses Rosenfaller. He is an incarcerated artist. Tony Revolori plays the younger Moses. Adrian Brody is Julian Cadazio, an art dealer. Uh, we got Leah. Sedu as Simone, a prison guard. 
Louise Smith, um, and Absua, Absua Moi, Clampet, an art collector. Henry Winkler is Uncle Joe. Um, Bob Balaban is Uncle Nick. Uh, Dennis Merchant is a prison guard. Francis McDermott is Lucinda Kremitz, a journalist. Timothy Cholamon is Zeffirelli, a student. Uh, Lina Kuduri is Juliette. Alex Luafa is Morris Mott. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a few more people, people. We've got a few more people like Jeffrey Wright um, as Roebuck Wright, a food journalist. Um, yeah. You know, Edward Norton's in it, you know, William Defoe, Cerise Ronan. You know, it's a it's a fat ass cast. You know what I mean? It's a fat ass cast. So what is the story? Okay, so um yeah. Let's get into that, shall we? Okay. Um, do, 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 do. French Dispatch is a highbrow magazine based in the imagined Gaelic town of Blaise sur Ennui. Um, it's reached its end. Its founder has died and his beloved creation looks set to shut down operations. In doing so, its staff reflect nostalgically on the publication's halcyon days, when the writers were as celebrated as the subjects they covered. There's the art critic Twilda Swinton, who regales um, with the story of a jailed painter. Obsession with his muse, a political correspondent um, whose current affairs once included a young insurgent during a student protest, and the rarefied food cricket, food, rarefied food critic who becomes quite the pot or fur when he finds himself caught up in a kidnapping plot. Boom. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, now, I think this is kind of based on The New Yorker because Anderson supposedly loves that, right? So he, he framed it around three stories, two of them based on stories that he's read, but obviously he changed, right? He took the idea and then adapted it to work for him. Right, so, uh, yeah, there you go with all of that, people. Now, like, like with um, you know Anderson stuff, it, it, there's always this certain look to it, and this does have this kind of yeah unique kind of feel and look, right? Now we start off with um, you know Bill Murray's character talking about. The magazine. Um, well, no, it's not him talking. It's the narrator talking about the magazine. And, you know, just the quirks of him, right? And the fact that if he dies, then the this is what happens, right? And it went into this whole thing, you know, like how it would be then be published and then what would happen. And just this whole protocol was laid out for us, right? We then see Bill Murray, you know, the editor, and you know they're putting this thing together, and you could see that, yeah, he, he's love for the magazine and the staff and everything like that because you know someone's just like, we need to cut a story, 
You know, it's going to be too big. He's just like, hey, we're not cutting a story. Find more paper. Right. So I think that tells you something. We um we see Owen Wilson on a, a pedal bike cycling through the city, talking. And, you know, there's there's always a lot happening right in these scenes that we often see in an Anderson film. Right, sometimes it's a lot that is a peripheral of, like the story. Sometimes it, it, it it's just kind of an add-on. Right, sometimes it's something that might crop up later, but you know, there's always this feast for the eyes. So um, yeah, we've got all of this different stuff happening, and it's interesting. I'm digging it right now. When we get to our prison story, that's where it became a little problematic for me. I mean, I mean, there were some other places as well, because what I did not realize, the subtitles. There's subtitles in the film. And I will give them credit for the fact that they tried to do something different with the subtitles. So they weren't just always along the bottom of the screen. They'd appear in different places, you know, which I thought, you know, playing around with it, that's nice. But, god damn. Now, I can never see subtitles, just in general, but these looked like they were even smaller than normal, right? And it was just, ah, it was frustrating. Because, like, there's times when you watch something and, you know, there's, there's subtitles, but you can kind of make out what's happened from what we're seeing on the screen and, the, you know, different stuff like that. But it, it's a very stoic, like, some of the moments are very stoic. So there wasn't really the facial expressions. You couldn't really gauge it. And although then something got said in English, you knew there was more with the subtitle because everyone's laughing and just all of this. And it's just like, ah, for fuck's sake. Like, why do they have to be subtitles? You know, so that just really just, it threw me out of the film, right? I ain't going to lie. You know, and I, I think maybe on another day when I was feeling more lively and energetic, it, it might have been fine. But today, it, it just, yeah, it threw me out and I just couldn't, I struggled to concentrate. You know, and especially because the film is jumping around a lot, right? The film's jumping around and, and you know, that happens. And it's just, yeah, it became very, Difficult to concentrate, which is ah so frustrating. You know, I mean, so frustrating. I kind of feel that, yeah, I, I will have to give this a watch on the small screen. You know, because then I can at least pause, read the subtitles, and move on. You know, but um, yeah. Now, there's there's, there's a really fun part of the film where it becomes an animation right which you know you don't expect you know it's just like what yeah and then they do some funny things with physics and you know characters and stuff like that in it which is yeah that was that was fun you know um so there is a lot happening there's a lot happening we we have this Everyone's, you know, giving very good performances. You know, it, it looks good. Yeah. So I do feel if you're a fan of Anderson, you, you, you know, I think chances are you will dig this. I think it, it just... Yeah, it's just the motherfucking subtitles, man. Because I don't believe there were subtitles in, like, Grand Hotel Bucharest. The Grand Hotel Bucharest. That, oh, for fuck's sake. 
You know what the fuck I'm talking about. Ugh. It's one of those days, man. But as Monica said, don't take it personal. You feel me? Um, yeah, shit happens. You know? Shit happens. But people, if you want to check out the French Dispatch, it will be playing tomorrow, Monday the 11th. So this time it's um it's midday. Right, it's quarter to three, two forty-five. So that's at the Royal Festival Hall on the South Bank. Then, for Wednesday the thirteenth, right, another midday, three o'clock at the BFI South Bank um, NFT one. And then on the last day, the seventeenth of October, it's a midday, but it's a Saturday, so it's Sunday, so it doesn't matter. So again, it's at 2.45, quarter to three, and it's at the Royal Festival Hall. Now, as of right now, every one of these screenings is sold out, but, but, you know, just deal people, there are often returns and all of that, so check on the day, because you never know what's going to happen, right? Never know what's going to happen, so uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, the French Dispatch, you know, it's uh, it's another, you know, Wes Anderson affair, right? Wes Anderson do his thing. It's lavish. It's, you know, it's just epic in scale. It's huge, you know, sprawling. Um, a lot of people all doing their thing. So, yeah, you know, <sighs> I mean, yeah, I, as I said, look, it's hard for me to judge because of just the subtitles, man. The subtitles just threw me. Subtitles threw me. Uh, but as I said, look, if you're a fan of Anderson, I'd say give it a shot. You know what I mean? I'd say give it a shot because the stuff that I could enjoy, I did enjoy, you know? But it was just, you know, Everything just changes when you get thrown out of stuff, right? So it's harder, it's harder to concentrate, and then there's a couple on just the lack of sleep and everything like that just crashing down on you like a motherfucking sledgehammer. So yeah, but you know, hey, <laughs> hey, go check it out. You know what I mean? Go check it out, everyone else in the screen seem to really enjoy it so uh yeah there you go the french dispatch okay people and now now we've got the hbo max dog wolf cnn movies documentary citizen ash something everyone should check out so buckle the 65th right it's the 65th bfi london film festival it's up and running baby it's up and running now i think when you think about tennis right and uh you know the new features Everyone is probably thinking King Richard, which, you know, hey, I, you know, I'm very interested to see this film, right? It, because you, you understand, Will, he definitely, he wants that Oscar. And I think he feels that this is a role that could get him that Oscar win, right? So it's just like, is the, is it going to be that? And is the film going to live up to everything that, I mean, people are hoping it could be. But, hey, it's not the only tennis film on uh, on show. And it's not the only tennis film that is showing um, incredible black talent, right? And, uh, yeah, people... I am referring to Citizen Ash, which, hey, I will be real, right? When I saw that on the program, I wondered what it was. 
right? I, I was like, oh, is this like some take on Citizen Kane? Is it that? What is this? So I went along to um, the press screening, right? And it, it's great because, you know, they happen, some of those start to happen before the festival begins, right? So I went along and discovered it was about Arthur Ashe. And this was fascinating to me, right? It was fascinating because, you know, Ash, he obviously, he, he you know, was doing his thing a long time before I was born. Well, I, all right, all right, let, let's, let's be fair. <laughs> that was a long time. He won his last Wimbledon three years before I was born. Right. Um, now, granted, he was still playing, but not quite to that same level. And so I'd obviously heard of Ash, you know what I mean? But I didn't know all the minutiae of his career and his life. You know what I'm saying? And it's once you watch this, you will scratch your head and think to yourself, wait, why, why am I only learning about this now, right? Why isn't this talked about more? Because the things he accomplished, it's insane. It's insane. And that, some of those things were way after he stopped playing tennis. You know, so you're just like, God, Damn, the impact he had on other people's lives, it's its insane, right? So, um, you know, look, I, yeah, I mean, he died in 93, and I knew it was a sad, like, it was sad, everything that happened. But, yeah, the, the way you do, the things that you learn in this documentary, it is... <sighs> It is a little heartbreaking, but it, it also it is just just sensational, right? So it is directed by Rex Miller and Sam Pollard, right? So um, yeah, Miller produces it along with um, Stephen Cater and Goats, James Shorts. Beth Hubbard and Janine. Oh, now <laughs> it's like you could say Janine Ash, but it's um Mont Montessori. I think it's Montessori Ash. I feel that's how you pronounce it. Okay, so um, it's edited by Lewis um, Rapkin, R. A. Fed. Uh, Federico uh, Roosevelt and Ben Sovaski. Music is from uh, John Jick Bontemps, I think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's the yeah, I mean that that that's the main kind of thing, right? So the 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 cast, I mean, it features right just a whole host of talent, right? And and people who I think everyone you know will will know, right? So you have uh, John McEnroe. Billie Jean King. Uh, but then you also have people in here, right? Like Harry Edwards. You know what I mean? Like, a, you know, a renowned activist back in that time. Uh, Donald Dell. Stephanie uh, Cookie Carson. Right? Um, Johnny Ash. Yeah. Uh, Arthur's brother. You know, um, yeah, and other people, right? We we had Lenny Simpson, um, also, right? Also, you, you saw uh, Nelson Mandela, 
yeah, it, it was just like, yo, it, it was really just extremely interesting, extremely interesting. Now, um, I tell you what it is exactly about. So, Citizen Ash is the story of sports legend and social activist Arthur Ash, known to most people by his stellar sports career, Wimbledon, the US Ocean, Ocean, the US Open, and the Australian Open winner, um, played on the Davis Cup team. You know. Uh, this film uncovers Ash's personal evolution, how his activism grew and embraced not only the civil rights movement and African-Americans, but all oppressed peoples throughout the world. Ash died of age-related complications in 1993 and was posthumously pos. Posthumously, I god damn it, I that word I never get it right, but you know what I mean. Awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom the same year. I mean, right? I mean, so this was produced by Dog Wolf, right? And we have looked at uh, you know, on Echo Chamber, we what was it we did, we looked at the uh. Um, MIA, you know, her documentary they did, and they also did, I believe, the one on Amir Khan. Yeah, I, I feel there's been a, a few things that we've looked at with Dog Walk, and they do some great stuff. But to, I really emphasize the, you know, the, the, the effect of this, you know, uh, CNN films and HBO. They picked it up, right? So I feel that will tell you the quality of this piece. You know, and whoo, people, it is moving as fuck. God damn, right? It, it's, it's a funny one. And when I say it's a funny one, I don't mean funny, ha-ha. I mean, it's the way it grabs you. You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's kind of like The Wire, right? Because you're watching it and you're like, no, this is interesting. Well, for me anyway, I remember watching it. Everyone talked about The Wire. The Wire is so great and all of this. And so I, I remember I went to my local library. I got the first season. You know, the first season had finished. Um, and I'm watching it and I'm like, eh, it's okay. But I don't know. I'm not overwhelmed but by like the third episode something like that i'm just like yo what are they doing like no she can't what and i realized i'm i'm just now i'm just gripped right i i'm i'm just so immersed with these characters and this documentary like it, it's now i will say you don't you don't start off and be like yeah because it's impactful, but you're watching it on one level, and then by the end of it, it is in the very fibers of your person, you know what I mean, I, I feel this is, it embeds itself on your soul, because everything that you see, now, it'll be interesting how other people digest this because I, I i think myself right you watch it and you understand a lot of the things ash was saying right how i there's this one thing because you know harry edwards he, he contacts arthur and he's just like you you need to be talking right you're in this high place you have this level of access not everyone has and you're not really talking on, you know, black rights, right? Now, Arthur, I think he kind of felt that his playing was a message, 
You know, the things he was doing on the court was a message. But Edwards wanted more. He wanted more because he was definitely of that um, Malcolm uh, mindset. And, and, you know, Malcolm X, obviously, people, right? Of, hey, you, you have to come with authority, Right, because P, if if you are too timid, people will not listen. People will just ignore you. Which, hey, this is a thing we've seen. You know what I mean? But Arthur, he he just wasn't that person. Yeah, he wasn't that aggressive. He wasn't that. You know, I am gonna dominate the room with you know the way I'm carrying myself kind of person. Now, he will dominate a room, but in a different manner, right? But And it was interesting the way Arthur talked about this later on, saying that he always felt as a kid that the way he had to act was prescribed by, you know, segregation right and you know society and then you have you know the activism right and there's there's some you know some of the civil rights activism at a point was yo to be black you you have to represent it in this way you know what i'm saying and he was just like you know what I mean? So on one side, you have society telling me I have to be this. On the other side, I'm being told by the black community to be this. And it was just like, I just wanted to be me, right? I got, I was tired of people trying to dictate who I am and how I'm meant to carry myself. And I think I kind of feel that is something that does ring true, right? You, you definitely feel that growing up. And, uh, you know, as I said, I don't know how that may resonate to other, you know, uh, ethnicities, right? Like how you feel and demographics, right? How you feel growing up. Because I think that might resonate with, you know, some groups, but maybe not others. But I, I feel everyone, you can understand the point, right? It, it it might not be your life, but I feel these are things that you can definitely understand. And the way Arthur carries it, he's so, you know what I mean? It, it's the way he will hit you with the wordplay. Right, Arthur Ash is kind of like Rakim, you know, what I mean, or Jay Z, just the way he will, you know, string that word flow together and break things down. He can even say Nas, right? That, that, that's what he's doing. And Edwards, that is, you know, I mean, you hear him profess to that. Right, be like, yo, I thought he was one thing, and I came to realize Arthur was something else. Arthur was more impactful than me. Right. So we start off with Arthur, and it was very interesting. It's an interesting way to start this off, right? So we we have footage of him playing, and then Arthur talking, they've got this, you know, obviously it's a archive material but you have him talking about his mindset and how the game of tennis suited him right suit the way he he fought and how he kind of pictured things which was really broken down in his 75 victory at Wimbledon and also the I think the, the, the game, yeah, where he beat um, Jimmy Connors. Jimmy Connors? Jimmy Connors. Jim Connors. Yeah, I believe it. Jim Connors. That is the name. Ugh, my memory is trash, people. You know that. Um, but, yeah, I think 
everything that we kind of learn from him, you just be like, damn, that's incredible, right? So we have that. That's how it opens with this. And then um, we hear from someone else. There's another narrator, and they're talking about just tennis and how tennis was, right? Because it is, you know, you wear a white, right? And, and it was how it was. It was just a white game. You know, they, like the, the tennis clubs and all of that to get membership. They were white only. It is a, it, and it definitely was a sport at that time that was, yeah, there was no diversity in tennis. There was no one wanted diversity in tennis, right? So that's the image of the game. And I think when you think about sports, right, that does, that is one of those ones where you've been like, mm, is it though? Right? Now, obviously, as time has gone, we we have seen, you know, the Williams sisters, you know, as we've, uh, you know, as mentioned at, at the top, King Richard, right, the Williams sisters, oh my gosh, the impact they had, you know what I'm saying, it, it, it's just like, what they put to the game, you know, Tiger with golf, right? You you have certain sports that it was the perception of, you know, this is a white sport. We can't we can't play this. We can't participate. We ain't welcome here. You know, Lewis Hamilton with Formula One. Hey, and you know, if you listen to Echoes from the Void, you know my feelings on Lewis, right? But Hey, whatever I feel about Lewis, he he is a a, a you know a, a forerunner in that sport for black people, right? There there is that to you know, and look, you don't have to do anything, right? You you know, it, it's I don't think we have to put on the people, yo, you have to now do this thing, but. It lets people know, yo, oh, I can do that, right? I can do that? Okay. Now, it's not as simple as that, right? There, there is barriers to entry, and we learn how he gets in, right? His dad was a caretaker at this school. So it was well, a black playground because, again, segregation. So this was the largest black playground in the area. And his dad was a caretaker, came with a house. So they lived there. And, you know, right by were the tennis courts. And that's how Arthur got playing. And at the age of 10, a Dr. Johnson saw him play and was like, okay, and brought him onto his team. Because Dr. Johnson was, you know, training black players, right? He, he was trying to fight that segregation and so we learn all about this and it's fascinating and especially how Arthur's game changed you know from being more reserved right so when he goes off to St. Louis for school you know he moved school because of tennis right they, they had a better program um he, he says, like, yo, no one knew me here. So it allowed me to be free, right? And so now I was just like, all right, I, I'm going to be something else. So I'm attacking the ball more, right? And you'd be like, yo, I understand that, right? I understand that, that, that liberal freedom, right? That, that amenuity, amenuity, or I feel that's the word, right? Um, well, no one knows you, right? So it allows you to be something else, to invent yourself in a certain way, right? To not fit into the boxes people want to put you into, right? So it's just the things we learn about Arthur. And, yo, you know, from the top, I said, it's shocking how we didn't know about some of this. And maybe this is taught in America. It's not in the UK, right? So, hey, they, you know, Wimbledon was the 
the crown jewel, right? And I feel Wimbledon still is, you know, and that's not a, oh, UK pride. You know, it's just, you know, from what you can assess from the tennis world, right? Um, and I feel Wimbledon is, but hey, they then started the US Open and Arthur Ashe was the first player, men's player to win the US Open. Right, so not just the first black player to win. No, no, no. The first ever, ever, which is just, and I feel their number one call, I feel that is called the Arthur Ashe call. I believe I'm right on that. Um, but, yeah, not really talked about. Not really talked about. He's the first player period, to win the US Open. Incredible. Incredible. And so you learn all of these things about Arthur, right? And, you know, as mentioned, you know, Jimmy Connors, he, he was someone that came up and then it was like you, you saw, you know, Arthur never, never beat him, but then he had to play him in Wimbledon. And, you know, Arthur says, he, you know, he felt he, he got to, I think he was 32 at the time. I think it was 32, maybe 35. But he felt, you know, this is my, this is probably going to be my last really competitive season, which I feel that's a huge thing, right? Having the understanding to realize, yo, this, this is now or never, right? This is where I make my, my real impact. I'm going out strong. So to have that foresight, right, that tells you something about Arthur. And going into Wimbledon, the, the, the way they broke it down, right, the way they were like, okay, now my game is this. So usually you play to your strengths. But it was just like, all right, Connors plays in one way, how do we beat that? And so it was just like, oh man, the way they broke it was, whoo, it, it just tells you so much, so much, which kind of bleeds then into his life out of tennis, right? The activism, you know, just, and this was before the Wimbledon, right? But he um, fought to go and play in South Africa. Full. And they denied it, denied it. But it all came about. And, you know, although it didn't go maybe fully to plan, but then when you look at it, I think it, it kind of did, right? It, he did what he want, he really wanted to do out there. You know, and that was let the kids know, let people know that, yo, yeah, you're going through apartheid, but this is something you can strive for, right? Yeah, things aren't as closed off to you as people want to kind of perceive, you know what I mean? And he, 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 he kind of fought for, you know, Nelson Mandela to be free. He, I, I feel, it, you know, he was the person that kind of spearheaded the sanction on sports that went on South Africa because of their appalling, appalling behaviors. Right. And you're just like, yo, that was Ash. Ash went to the UN to talk on that shit. Hey, and you learn all of this. It's. And this documentary, it goes into his life, right? The personal life, right? He's dating, the way he perceived things and all of that. And then the connection he made with Jeannie, right? And, and we see that and how that then transformed his views, right? It, it's funny because... Arthur, he's kind of like Malcolm and Martin, right? And it's kind of like he started off more like Martin and then became a bit more like Malcolm. But 
you kind of feel more like Malcolm after he he came out of prison, right? How he no, it wasn't when he came out of prison. It was after he went on his pilgrimage, right? And he came back and was just like, yo, you know what? It, it doesn't have to be black against white, right? We can work together. And there was a more tempered Malcolm, but still with the first fight for, you know, the things he felt were uh, were needed, you know what I'm saying? And and we saw that. And in part, some of that was because of what happened with Emmett Till. You know, and we see how these different things in life affected Arthur. And it is, it really hits you, right? There's a, there's a point where he talks about dying and um, meeting his mother, right? Which was just like, oof, oh my gosh. And the way they captured it, right? The, the imagery they used, you know, the choice of footage and everything like that. Oh, this was so well put together. It really was. It's so well put together. You know, the, we had his brother talking, Jeannie talking, Harry talking, just all these people talking, John McEnroe talking. You know, and, right, on, on one hand, you look at these two people, you think they're so different. But then, you know, then, then they both talked about how they're kind of similar, right? And the envy they had for it, the, the way each other kind of, carried themselves and, and you're just like yo yeah this is so fascinating and you know it's heartbreaking in the way he dies right because he died of AIDS or you don't I mean you don't actually die of AIDS it's always AIDS related you know like pneumonia and, and symptoms because AIDS will just it destroys your immune system so then you know the flu can kill you and, and things like that but it's a blood transfusion. He wasn't, you know, living a reckless life and all of that. He, he, so this thing hits him, but that doesn't slow him down. And we see just the incredible things he does after that. It wasn't, oh, I'm done. I'm done. No, no, no. We we see the 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 other side of the work Arthur does, and. It is so inspiring, so inspiring. Because you you look and you see the doors Arthur Ashe opened, right? So when I mentioned, you know, Tiger, Serena, Venus, Arthur did that. You know what I mean? Arthur made those things possible in a way you know and you see people like LeBron James um like Barack Obama even says that Arthur was an, such an inspiration for him right and you see the the people whose life he impacted right Billie Jean King talks about how Arthur was you know so meaningful to be around like Harry you know it, it's incredible it's incredible right? I, I, oh my gosh the thing that his brother does for him as well <sighs> my days people people listen I know sometimes you like ah, I don't know about documentary right I'd love to watch a feature film but people if you get the opportunity, Citizen Ash, whoo, Citizen Ash, you do not, trust me, you do not want to miss it. It really is something special. And ain't gonna lie, 
right? When I left that screening, when those credits started to fall, oh, right, there was some dampness in the old eyes. Oh, it was, it's so touching. It really is. So, yeah, I, if you get the, yeah, get the opportunity, people, go and check out um, Citizen citizen ash it's um it's it's not that it's like it kind of feels about an hour and a half right hour and a half uh what is it eight no it's not even that it is no it's 95 minutes 95 minutes and i think you know as i said look hbo max have it so in the states yeah if you've got hbo max you you I believe you will get this. So, um, people, definitely check it out. It is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that will touch touch you wherever you grew up. You know, I mean, whatever your race, your 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 you know your gender, demographic, it doesn't matter. This is something that transcends everything. So, yeah, Citizen Ash people, go. Check it out. Okay, people. So we um are at that point again. We're at the end of another episode, and um, you know what I mean? Boom. Two very contrasting pieces, right? Wes Anderson, some quirky, crazy visions he brings to the screen, right? And then we've got this this story of a tennis legend, but who goes further than that? Further than that, man. And I just feel, especially in the UK. Right, we don't talk about Arthur Ashe. Don't talk about him. Never learn about him in school. Nothing. It's a travesty. So two vastly different things, but two things. Hey, go check out. All right, go check out. Um, but yes, hit the episode information for all the links and whatnot. Follow the BFI on their socials, and we will be back tomorrow for day. Six. <laughs> all right, people. See you then. All right. Peace.